Hello, it's Kaylee again with the Warrior Painters podcast. In this no play no game episode, I chatted with architect David Miller. David, or sometimes go by Dave, shared how he took a long turn to get back into art, and since then, he has made painting part of his daily life. We also chatted about the creative urges and what we should do about them. David has some very interesting takes on living a creative life, and I learned a lot from him. My name is Dave Miller. Working as an architect, that was the whole emphasis I put in my adult life was being an architect and designing. And uh, my education at graduate level is architecture. Before that, it was economics, which was a dead end for me. And uh, and then art. Um, before that, so I went from in college, I went from art to econ to architecture. Architecture has had a tremendous influence on how I think and, and how I process the world around me, and it's reflected in my drawing and painting now. That's very interesting. So you went to art first, and then you switched to architecture, and yes. now you're doing both around oh, the same yeah. time. Yeah, well, they talk to each other all the time. I started because my mother was actually an artist, and she got her BFA at Berkeley. She, she was doing it more like a hobby. She wasn't very serious. She's still painting, though, and she's in her early 90s and sells much more than I do. She sells paintings. People love her stuff. I had that as a background. So when I went to junior college, I took a lot of art classes. I emphasized, my emphasis was in that, but it didn't seem like I was going to make much of a living doing that. And I was actually discouraged from going to college to study art. And at the time, it made sense because traditional art, the way we experience it now, this is very different than it was when I was young in the late 70s, early 80s. Then it was much more conceptual art, much more academic oriented, much less accessible to people. As much as I enjoy it, that wasn't my voice. And so there were no programs to join. Art Center probably taught some classes. I remember going and seeing some shows, but it was, um, it was surprising how little there was available. So I skewed off in another direction altogether. Right, right. It must be like a different time back then. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It was just the whole the whole zeitgeist and the way people thought about art was very different. And traditional work, figurative work, plein air painting, landscapes was literally, you know, what the hell are you wasting your time doing that for? I mean, seriously, you know, and I knew that's what I was really most interested in. So at that point, it didn't seem like it was viable. Your undergrad was econ, economics. Yeah. Economics, yeah. And then you probably went to another school, master's yes. degree? Yes, after I finished my econ degree, a friend of mine who I had worked with earlier when I was in high school had applied to this interesting place that wasn't even accredited in Santa Monica called SciArc. And it was in a factory building in this guzzy part of town across from a record factory. And I think I've heard of it. I think you have, yes. Most, most people in art and architecture have heard of it. It's, it's a huge, world-famous place now. But back then, it, it, hadn't, it had just started. And when I got there, it was like going to art school, I think, in some ways, in that I walked in and it looked like the place had been torn apart and every wall and surface was used for something creative. And crazy ideas were everywhere. It was very exciting. And I just got sucked into it. As soon as I saw the space and met the, the other students and the faculty who were all just really excited to be talking about this stuff, I, I really uh, 
I was totally seduced. You find your calling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it seemed like it. it. Certainly seemed like it. That's for sure. Yeah. So I really enjoyed all that. I really love the education, and I've enjoyed the work for the most part. It's ninety percent production, ten percent inspiration. But I think that's true for any kind of commercial production-oriented venue, be it commercial art or architecture or design in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you mentioned your mom was she making a living before? Is she still making a living from art? Well, she you know she sells. She belongs to cooperative galleries, and she knows friends who have venues and get in small galleries, and so she has been hanging and showing her work her entire adult. Actually, after she got all the kids left, then suddenly she got really busy and a lot more successful. I wouldn't say she's <laughs> making a living, but she pays for her supplies and she keeps going. And she says she's going to quit every year. I get to hear about how bitter she is and how she's tired of it all, and she keeps painting. Yeah, <laughs> you followed her path in a way. <laughs> oh. Well, it's interesting because I think, in some ways, it's like my mother's the creative one in the arts. My father was an inventor and an engineer and a businessman, starting his own companies around his inventions or his patents. And he's the one that was discouraging initially about going to art. What the hell are you going to do there, kid? You can't make any money at it. You know, pointing at my mother, saying she's not making any money. How can you make any money? But that's a, that's a typical story too. You know, if I had had more focus and self awareness, I might have just said thank you. I'll get a job at McDonald's and I'll go to art school. You know. No, no, but you enjoy your architecture career as well, so I don't. Think oh yeah. That's a, that's yeah. No, it worked out fine, but it's kind of like splitting it down the middle. You have to have an engineering mind and then solve problems as well as be creative. And so that part's been. I for a long time I felt like I was getting paid to play. With other people's money, so yeah, sounds like you, like engineering dad and a kind of sort of artist mom, and then you're architect. <laughs> it's a yes, great, exactly. It's a great exactly. combination. Yeah, and you need all those skills. You need the creative problem solving. That's the work I'm doing right now. Is basically strictly creative problem solving um, around a, a large project that's under construction right now. So. It's kind of nervous making because nothing is the same every day. It's different, but also that's the excitement and the fun part. So, how long have you been like just painting on the side, or is it always like something you do since you grow up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't say that I. The first thing I remember is holding a crayon or something like that. I do know that I like all children. I drew, but at a certain age, I know I stopped. You know, as you get older and you realize that someone else is getting more praise for it, and you know, as my brothers and sisters were doing things, there was like no no time spent on David's scribbles. I think as an adult, though, I had this compulsion, and I kept finding ways to take classes, to read books, to practice, to draw, and that's part of what architecture school did for me. I had teachers who basically said, "You can't think unless you can draw." Can't really see the environment unless you can draw. You can't solve the problem unless you can draw, and that was a huge motivation to get out and look at the world through a piece of paper and a pencil. I, I kind of, you know, I would go up and down a little bit, but I was pretty consistently trying it out, playing with it. It wasn't until I was a little bit older, when architecture wasn't so overwhelming, and I had more time to myself. Then I really Focused more on drawing and then later painting. And the drawing 
was an outgrowth of that motivation to see the world in a different way. If you stare at this thing as you're drawing it, learn so much more about it and its context. And often if you're looking at a job site or an environment, an urban space or just a, a city lot, you're learning things about that environment that you wouldn't have picked up otherwise, even from photos, because you wouldn't have noticed that thing over there that you would want to go over and look at later kind of thing. I find it interesting because as an architect, maybe um, it's just your instinct to draw that building or like the landscapes, right? Um, but I, I find that you also draw a lot of people. Oh, I love people, yeah. And though the landscapes are where I started, I mean, landscapes in terms of just standing in front of like a group of buildings and some railroad tracks or a parking lot, I actually find buildings kind of dull uh, to draw. It's like, they're just boxes. And they just have, you know, shadow shapes. So it's just kind of like, ah, I don't want to do that. But people are fascinating because there's an immediate emotional quality. But if you push it one way, you change it. You know, how you can change someone's identity, the emotion you get from it, and all of that. And so for a long time, all my painting was in figurative and in portrait. But I was always sketching landscapes. And I think it's trying to find that emotional power that I was finding in portraits. I, I can feel it in the landscapes. And, in, and only in the last year or so have I started to feel like I'm getting close to it in the, in the urban sketching and in the landscapes. And the, uh, I was up in Fillmore this weekend on one of these kind of expeditions, you know, in my car and just pulled over at um, a gate off the highway uh, to a field. And the field was this hallucinatory green surrounded by brown dirt and brown grass, you know, the native grasses and the hills were all brown. And then there's a red barn, which is just uber dramatic. And it didn't look real. I'm taking pictures and I look at the photos now and it's just like, ah, you know, do I even bother painting it? Because, you know, even the pictures look like a fantasy painting, the photos, I mean. But I did do, you know, I'll do sketches and um, heavy paint is a really fun app very quick, <laughs> you know, just put color down and catch something. So I do that, especially if I'm traveling or in the car. Yeah, I saw a lot of car drawing painting too from you. Oh yeah, uh, cars? Cars are bilaterally symmetrical, just like people. <laughs> <laughs> do cars have emotions to you too? They do actually, they do. In fact, the last one I drew in my, and I posted on Instagram, was a car out of my past. Uh, a 1969 Datsun 510, and uh, it's an old car. But that was the first car I was allowed to use exclusively as mine. Yeah, cars cars are interesting. Symmetrical things like um, airplanes, trains, not so much trains, but objects. There's a life to them somehow, that they carry something. Do you have like the next challenge you want to do? Like what kind of subject you want to tackle? I don't have a set goal other than to start working bigger and carry these ideas onto a larger, literally a larger canvas and maybe have the capacity to resolve. Right now, they're very small, which is intentional. The way I think about it is do lots of small paintings, do them fast and use that as a way to get better. And essentially, it's a way to fail faster. You know, if the thing crashes, fine. Just, okay, I spent 45 minutes on it, onto another sheet and I don't get upset about it too much. If I spend three days on something and I just can't pull it out, then it's 
that's terrible. You know, that becomes painful. Are you going to change your medium if you want to paint bigger too? That's a really good question. Um, gouache is kind of limited. That's what I'm using now because it's, it's very simple and immediate. Years ago, I used to paint in watercolor all the time. And I literally had an easel set up in a studio, all set up to go. No matter what was going on, I could always walk over and work on something. And having that immediacy and having the ability to have no obstacles, just, okay, I'm in the mood right now. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work every day, but I don't know what time. So whenever I get an opportunity is when I'm going to work. It helped support me keep working. So I don't have an answer. Oil, oh, I don't like oil. But you know, oil is probably where I need to go. Yes. Yeah, I've heard uh, if you want to paint bigger, Oreo is easier. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm looking. I'm thinking of several people right now that that do the kind of work I'm interested in, and they're all working much larger and in oil than I am right now. So. Yeah, yeah. But would you still try to paint outdoors when you want to paint bigger? I'm actually thinking about around 1910. 1900 to 1910, he's painting in Pasadena. He's doing outside landscapes. And I'm forgetting his name, but he's famous. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So his process was he would march out and do a fast oil on a small format of something he liked. He wasn't taking photographs, but he was doing these value and color studies out in the open. And then he would bring them back and then do much larger projects based on those. So I think right now that's the intuitive way I would want to work if I'm going to go bigger. Do you like to paint based on photos too, or not that much? Well, right now I'm doing both. Um, Mostly photos because I'm, for whatever reason, I'm a little shy about setting up my paints. And so I tend to work from sketches, photos, and then and or working in heavy paint right there on the scene. I work with photos a lot. The only problem with photos is they make just choices for you. They average things out. They highlight things and darken things that are very different than how our eye sees. And in some ways, that's good because it simplifies the scene. In other ways, when you look, the way you perceive it, I'm looking out, of there's a tree right on the other side of the window, and I can see into the shadows. And the more I look, the more I can see. But if I'm doing a painting of the outside, do I want to show five values in the shadows of a tree that's only a part of the painting? Or do I want to give it one value or two values and then put my focus somewhere else? Photos are just a tool, basically. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're bad or good. It's like a, if you take a photo, those photos actually dictate the way you see the object already, right? So it kind of limits you a little bit if you are not there. Yes, exactly. If you didn't take that photo. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's why I 99% of the time I will only paint from my own photos. I was there. I had a reason for stopping there. There's still an emotional connection, and I may have done a drawing there for a value study or something. So I... I often will pull all that together onto my desk when I'm working to do a painting. Like I did before, I would scribble two or three or four or five little value studies until I arrived at a composition, you know, designing what's the emphasis, what's light, what's dark, not just what's there, but what makes a good picture. And that's been the really exciting part, I think, seeing how other people do it at the Warrior Painter meetups 
was what was such a wonderful thing for me to um, start to really change and improve my work, I think. You know, you're all there looking at basically the same thing and everyone does it differently. I feel like participating in that group has been a huge benefit to me. <laughs> so. we, can get, we can get to that in a little bit. I'm just wondering, like, how, how much time do you spend sketching, painting now? Like, I've actually, I'm, I'm letting myself be distracted. I have another project in my life right now. I'm making cigar box guitars. Guitars? <laughs> <laughs> little 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 simple guitars i'm trying to teach myself this is this is i have the, i call them covid projects and i'm playing with doing other things that i've always wanted to do realistically i try to spend every day i do some drawing and usually drawing and painting a couple times a couple hours a day as a minimum it just depends on the circumstances and that actually i take a break during the middle of the day and go for a walk and where I'm located in Koreatown, I can go in any of four directions. So, and I'm always looking for something. And often that thing finds me in a way, you know, it's sort of like I'll be walking along and then something will just stop me. So has your schedule, like your art schedule always like this? Yes, pretty much. Even when, when, when working, you were busy, like when you were oh, going to like college and like- Oh no, no, no. It's become yeah. much more focused as I've gotten older. When I was going to college, I had assignments that I had to do, and a lot of them were drawing related, but it's a different kind of drawing. You know, it's design drawing for the most part. And so you're problem solving through layers of sketches and working towards creating a final product and, and all of that. But then later in my life, I think because I'm familiar with the situation at work, you know, it's like, it's very unlikely that anything's going to happen that's really going to upset me too much or get me too excited. That's years, years of work. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, then suddenly I can, I can see that about 20 years ago, I really started to focus on painting and made it a huge part of my life. I would go to as many groups as I could, uh, take classes, just ongoing. I would just sign, I found this one teacher and we just kept going for a couple of years. I understand you always had the passion for art, for painting, but like, did anything happen during that time? Did you meet someone? Did you run into something to make you feel like, oh, you wanted to commit to this, so you're going to be doing it every day? So on one hand, maybe it was a counterpoint to work because it was free. It, I mean, free in the sense I could do whatever I wanted to. I wasn't constrained by a client. I wasn't constrained by a budget or my boss, employer or the circumstances. Was there a turning point? I think as I got older, I realized I really loved drawing and painting. I had all these ideas in my head that I was not getting out on paper and they weren't going away. I thought you better get serious about it and give it some real time. There was a book I came across that was very really helpful called Art and Fear. It was a professional author and a professional photographer combined to write a book about being creative not just painting, but the creative process. They were talking about things I actually experienced. Unfortunately, there was a portion in my life where when I moved out of Los Angeles, out of Southern California, I moved to Oregon for 15 years. The painting dried up. I kept it barely alive. Just, you know, other things were happening in my life. There were a lot of distractions, but the environment was different there. And the, what got supported up there was different than what the culture down here supports. Um, it's not good or bad, but it was very different. And I realized I was kind of, I was creative in a specific situation, specific location. And it's hard to describe that exactly, except they had talked about that. 
in their writing. And I was like, shoot, it's happening to me. This is awful. What do I do? So I had to move back just so I could draw. That's like a big turning point. Like you well, moved back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coming back, coming back. And then it was like all in. Because when I re-arrived, this is like six or seven years ago in LA, very quickly, all the support systems that I was looking for, all the drawing groups, all of them were there where they weren't before up, up in um, Portland, or they weren't the same up there. And it was just, it was surprising. And you would think you could paint and draw anywhere, but it actually went away after about a year or so. And it became very difficult to do anything outside of just a figure drawing class. I had a lot of fun up there too, but the painting didn't work for me. That was surprising. I was shocked. Maybe the weather is an issue. There Florida. you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gray and rainy nine months out of the year. So that makes a difference. Yeah. Because right now, yeah. like in LA, you can't go every weekend. It's easier to organize events. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Although when it is beautiful there, it is extraordinary. So it sounds like you always went to seek the support group or like just a group of artists to paint together, right? Like even in Oregon, you did that. Yes. Although not as successful, but, but that's yeah. like something you look, look for. Right. And that's something that I've kind of picked up as I've gone along. So how, how many groups have you joined? And like, do you have a, do you keep a schedule? Like, oh, this event's going on Wednesday. I go this and Friday, this one. Well, definitely. <laughs> I mean, the Warrior Painters and the Urban Sketchers here are two groups that I was very active in before March. And then there's figure drawing groups that I was participating in at the Client Academy, at Los Feliz, and at Culver City. And that was kind of my limit. But I knew other people who would be like, hey, you want to come down to Long Beach? They're having a figure drawing group in an hour. You know, you can just barely make it. You know, these are, these are, I thought, oh my God. I thought I was committed. No, no, there, there's another level above, you know, <laughs> crazy. And just having the environment and the uh, surroundings, I don't have to be chit-chatting with everybody. I really enjoyed that. It was really important. Okay. But you, you've made some friends, right? From Urban oh. Sketchers or even from oh, Art yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not like I, I just go there and I quiet. I'll talk. I'm, I'm very talkative. It, it's funny, too, because I have so many years of standing at a drafting board drawing and someone will come right up to you and start feeding you information about something, you know, it's about work or whatever, or something's happening. And that was just because you're in an office with 20 people, you have to be open to that. I'm saying that and I'm completely winging it. I have no idea why I like to talk while I draw, but, I've, you know, I've had experience, so I'm comfortable with it. It sounds just, like a good quality art instructor should have. Like, there we go. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> you can teach young people how to sketch too. Not young people, but like the beginners. Right. Whoever. Do you know Virginia Hind? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She actually said that to me that I should look into that. You have all the qualities a teacher should have. You're patient. You like to talk. <laughs> you like to share. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and I'm interested and mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what, what other people are doing, which is something that's nice about groups. There is a little bit of competitiveness. I won't say there isn't, especially when there are very good people in the room. And it's like, wow, am I even close to that? You know, there's interesting stuff to see. But also it's like, oh, what are people doing? It's just fun to experience all the different points of view, all the different medium. 
that even a, a regular figure drawing group would have. And it sounds like all those group events, they kind of motivate you to, to do yeah. art. Yes, exactly. They're a structure. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I have done so many hours of work. Well, when I was going to all those groups, I would do at least, what, nine or 12 hours of figure drawing a week. And it was just a way to keep cranking along. Plus any other groups I might join, like Urban Sketchers or Warrior Painters or, or just go out on my own, which I do too. I guess the question could be, like, what is the motivation besides your passion for art? But it is a social social world. I did make lots of friends at a couple of those groups. And if nothing else, they're familiar people that you have shared something with. I mean, some of them I have lunch with and we go do other things. And some I just know in, the, in those classes. But it's a connection. And I think that's important. I wouldn't want to just be in a studio painting by myself 24-7. That wouldn't be any kind of life at all. Well, here, here's an example. I used to think a long time ago, you know, if I ever got, you know, I've got brain cancer and I've got a year to live. Oh, I, then I'd produce my masterpiece. This is a very strange thought, but it was something that was bubbling in the back of my head. Somehow, if things went badly, I could, I would do, I would concentrate and focus everything on just the art. And then I met an artist who had brain cancer and was dying. And he said, he was very blunt. He says, that's malarkey. He was so sick. He had no energy to do the work. He did struggle and did some, but he said, all my best work was before I got sick. So every moment is your best moment. You don't wait for some something to focus you. God, how did I get onto that? Forgotten what your question was. I was asking what your motivations are for art, but what you just said was really spot on. You just said oh. like, every moment is your best <laughs> moment. Like, why are you waiting for? Yeah, right, exactly. Yes, it's right now. It's moments right now. So, you know, that thing that just stopped me when I was on my walk, that's important. Pay attention to it. Take a picture of it, take a draw, make a drawing, do something to catch it. That little voice, if it gets ignored, it gets upset. I don't know if you experienced that, but there's like a little like you, urge, a little you voice. articulated in a way that I wouldn't have done it myself because I do have some urges for writing things down. What you just described about your feeling for art and why you want to do it it's like how i want to just write down my thoughts yeah like yeah it, it, that's like some creative drive i guess everyone probably has it too it's just maybe for different things yeah and you don't and it can be expressed in so many ways it doesn't yeah. it's almost like um it's like there's this energy that's in all of us and how it becomes expressed is different and as time goes on and other opportunities open for me i find myself doing creative things in other fields outside of my education or my background or anything just because there's suddenly an opportunity or a reason or something and it's worth pursuing those because then all that energy comes back into the main things that you're working on so if you give your time and effort to something else whatever it is it, it feeds you back more than you gave it yeah someone did say that creating art is like learning a new language you just use it to communicate either with yourself or with other people through this form. Yeah. The only thing I, I know about that is the more specific it is to me, the more honest I am and transparent I am. If I put down exactly what I'm thinking in the moment, then the more universal it becomes, oddly enough. And Can you tell then me more about that? Why, why would you say more universal? If I think, well, it's like this. Okay, 
I was going to make an analogy to architecture because it's a design process where you're working with a client and quite often you don't get to do what you think you want to do. You have to do what they want to do. But the translate, the way you translate that to painting or drawing is what if I, I'm, work, I'm that artist in a studio and I'm working 24 seven and I have to produce X number of paintings for a show. Am I painting for those people who might buy it or am I painting for myself? And am I speaking some, something that is really true? about myself that I feel that's important to me? Or am I just putting down something that I think they'll buy? In my experience is you gotta be, you gotta, the people see right through that if you give them something that you think they want already. You have to give them who you are and be vulnerable. It has to be risky, it has to be scary to some degree. I mean, you have to give something and that's usually scary and risky. Then they respond to that and see it in themselves probably what happens, though I don't know. When I worked in an architecture office, I was doing a lot of watercolor portraits and figure work. I saw my best work when people were drunk. No inhibitions. I had the strangest, most wonderful conversations with people about my work. And this was just the public. You know, I didn't know who these people were. And they would react spontaneously and very outspoken. And it was a lot of fun. You get all kinds of things. And, and then the only reason I mentioned the alcohol is because I think it removed that barrier, that social barrier. And they were just themselves. Were you drunk as well? I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, you probably were tipsy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you think um, just practicing art and just drawing, painting all these years has helped your architecture career, has helped your life in certain ways? Well, it certainly informed my architecture in a lot of ways. The drawing and painting is, is problem solving in a different way in terms of design and composition. And so I think about all those things when I do drawings and designs for architecture. So they're mutually reinforcing. But I think drawing and painting is just a big part of my life. I don't know what I would be like without that, especially with all this, these compulsive ideas running around in my head. I'd probably be crazy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you work out too? Exercise? Yes. I'm walking every day. I go hiking. I was 60 pounds heavier quite a few years ago. And really? I took off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was this guy. My neck came straight down to my shoulders. I lost the weight. <laughs> I took it off. Wow. Because I was going to say that maybe like doing art, drawing, painting is like uh, to you is like a, sort of like a workout as well. Like oh, other people might not do this. They just want to go to the gym to exercise. It's just, it's their da daily routine. Yeah. But it sounds like you had you have a daily routine of working out. That's how you lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> One other way, yeah. <laughs> routine is a great way to just take care of the mundane things and take care of yourself and just have all that covered so that I can have the space and energy to do something creative. I like that. I'm working on that right now. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> you mentioned you take some workshops with a lot of people, like some teachers. Do you have your favorite instructors? Oh, that's a great. Oh, of course. Now you've asked me and I blanked. There is an artist in LAFA, the LA Academy of Fine Art in Van Nuys. I'm blanking. He teaches a landscape painting class. He's stoned most of the time, he's character. But he's brilliant, and I love the way he demonstrates his painting technique. So I took him for like two or three sessions. As I got to know him better, I realized every day he talked about things in a different way. He didn't even paint the same way twice. 
it was fascinating. And then I ended up taking notes. So I would come in and he started asking me, so how many steps did I teach last time? I said, last time you taught nine steps. And then the time before that, you taught it in six steps. He was a lot of fun to work with because it wasn't so much like he had a set program and you do it this way and you always get these results. He was in the moment and he was really painting and then he was accessible to talk to. So, and he was fun. So, yeah, maybe because he's not painting the same stuff every time. So, he has yeah. different problems to tackle. That's why it's oh, yeah. different. Oh, stuff. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and he was just, he had an amazing skill set. So, just being able to stay up with him for a little while in the process was really a lot of fun. Are there any other workshops you want to attend in the near future or you sign up before, but you couldn't join? You know? Oh, God. I still have this ambition. I would love to just devote myself to getting a, you know, a full-time, full immersion painting program and have like a year or two to do that. Like an artist residency somewhere? Yeah, that would be one way to do it. Or, or someone just gives me a lot of money and I can go sign up you know, at some nice school somewhere and just live there and paint. You can get a scholarship. Yeah, oh, there, there is that. There's the, the money does, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about some favorite artists, planner oh. artists or just traditional painting artists? Mark Tennant is probably someone who paints like I want to paint at the scale that I want to paint. He's turning out these wonderful images that are, I think are based on all kinds of things, photos, snapshots, historical stuff, things he sees, pictures he takes, it's all there. And it has his mark on it. But then there's a lot of people, actually a couple of guys on Instagram, I just love it when I see their work. Lewis and uh, Steve Sandoval. One of them goes by the name of Gordo, and the other one is Sketch and Steve. That's their handles on Instagram. They're just hysterical. You know, they're painting and drawing the same things I am around L.A. You know, sometimes I'll open it up and and there's something I drew yesterday. And I'm like, where was he? I didn't see him. And look what he did with it. Oh, my God, that's fabulous. I always get a lot of uh, delight out of seeing how those two guys handle the same kinds of work. Did you find us through the internet as well? Or yes, I, I found out about the drawing groups that I joined, Warrior Painters and Urban Sketchers all online. I, I found this one particular person on uh, Instagram who uh, was called Ango the Mango. And I, <laughs> I went, oh, that's a loony <laughs> name. I like that. And, uh, and I thought, oh, these paintings are great. I want to meet this person. I want to go. And then she was promoting this painting group. And I thought, okay, I'll go. See what it's like. <laughs> so my last question here is, what are some tips you could offer to people who just start when oh. they're painting? Commit. Decide you really want to do it. Give it some real time. Be patient and nice to yourself. Likely there will be an up and down journey, but it gets better with time. And uh, finding a group has been helpful for me, but it isn't the only thing. You really just need to find a way to make it sustainable in your life so that there's always a place for it. In my life, I found out that it, it, it can happen at very specific times in the day. And um, with specific media, it's, it becomes very easy for me to, to do it and keep it going. Classes can't hurt and they can only help. There's a lot of information out there. You'll, you won't get it any other way. Yeah, Don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do what I did. <laughs> 
like if you follow my example, you will do a lot of wandering around that whole adventure up to Portland. And when I came back to Los Angeles, it was like this explosion of creativity. No, it's more fragile than we think, I guess I'm saying. All right. Thank you so much, David. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We love hearing from you. Feel free to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms. Leave us a comment on YouTube or just message us on Instagram. If you want to support us, please consider donating on Gumroad. You'll find a link in the description. All right. See you again soon.